ever thought, what is the topic that the preacher really needs to preach upon? Have you ever thought about what God would like to be the topic and the theme of the lesson today? If God were able to look down and see the needs of each and every one of us, what would God say needs to be the lesson preached? That's the task that every gospel preacher has every service. Sometimes you recognize that some of the lessons have to deal with some rather challenging portions of God's Word. There are other times when the lessons really need to be motivational. We really need to build a fire under God's people to get them to see that they are God's people and act like God's people. I'd like to begin our lesson this morning by asking some questions. Are there some things that you do daily? You think about your own personal life. You think about some of the things that you choose every day to do. Now, some of them may be very mundane. For instance, many of us take time for personal grooming and hygiene. In other words, I hope you take a shower every day. I hope that you take some time to uh, brush your teeth, to be able to do things that are maybe seemingly not that important, but for those around you, they are. There's others who do some things that are common, like, for instance, you may watch the news on the television or read the newspaper every day. You may, as a family, choose to have a family meal where all of the family sit down and take some time to eat together each and every day. Or it may be that you have some family rituals that you participate in. I know the last several years of my mother's life, I called her every day. I wanted to check on her to see how well she was doing. I know some people visit their favorite store. They may go in in the morning and order a cup of coffee or they may stop by their favorite place each and every day. You see, there's a lot of things that have become a part of most of our daily choices in life. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is your Christianity a weekly or a daily religion? For instance, the people with whom you work, do they know that you are a Christian? When you go to school, do your classmates know that you are a Christian? When you go to some sporting event, maybe the soccer field or the baseball field or the football game, do the people with whom you conduct yourself know that you are a Christian? If they don't, why not? If they cannot see Christ living in you every day, why is it that your religion is not a daily religion? Well, let me follow that up by asking you to consider. Does God bless us daily or does God bless us weekly? Psalm 68 verse 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits the God of our salvation daily loads us with benefits. 
or as simply put in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Most of us do not really take the time to realize daily how well we are blessed. But another question, do we face problems daily with which we need God's help? Are there things that I am facing in my life today and tomorrow and the next day with which I need God to help me? Matthew 6, verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself or its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Notice carefully that last sentence. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Are there struggles and stresses that each of us have on a daily basis? Well, sure there is. Can I get through today? With God's help, I can. While the church gathers to worship weekly, one is a Christian every day. And if it is not, then you and I are not participating in a pure and undefiled religion. In other words, if I could communicate what I think is a severely lacking problem among our people is, we feel as if when we enter those glass doors that all of a sudden something changes. I am not so naive as to realize what happens at home and in the car before you get to the services. Everybody's angry, everybody's frustrated, and then you walk into the front door and you greet W.C. and Nelma this morning, good morning. And all of a sudden, as if you step in the door, things change. No. Do your family know that you are a Christian at home? Do you talk like it? Do you act like it? You see, we have to realize that what God wants us to be is to be a Christian every day. And you know the Bible presents five things that it talks about people doing daily as God's people. Daily prayer, daily Bible study, daily evangelism, daily encouragement, and daily cross-bearing. For the next few minutes, I'd like for us to explore these five things together as they appear in the Scriptures and to just note a few things about them. Let's talk about, first of all, daily prayers. And I put it in the plurality. Prayers were offered daily. For instance, if you go to Psalm 55, verse 17, David said, Evening and morning... And at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Evening, morning, at noon. The three times at which one would pray. You might say, well, I would say morning, noon, and evening. But you see, the Jewish day began at sundown, so for them it is evening, morning, and noon. But their idea was is that three times a day, and when you go to the book of Daniel to chapter 6 and verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed and he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day 
and prayed and gave thanks to God as his custom was since the early days. Daniel, David, and godly people of the Bible were the kind of people that more than once a day would take some time to offer a daily prayer to God. When Jesus was asked by his disciples to teach them to pray, and he provided for them a model prayer, we find in Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you realize not only are we asking God for our daily bread, we are in essence thanking God for our daily bread. And if a person were just simply to think for a moment, there's so many things about which we should be thankful. The fact that we possess a good measure of health, the fact that we have jobs that we can be able to work at and provide for our family, the fact that we live in a country that is so well blessed in so many ways. And then there are so many things about which one must ask God. I think about what Jesus taught in that prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let me ask you a question. How many of you meet some kind of temptation every day in your life? I'd say we all do. And we ought to be asking God for strength. We ought to be asking God for the ability to not have to endure so many temptations with the knowledge of the fact that God listens and hears and answers. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, Paul simply said, pray without ceasing. But the second thing that I think we need to explore for a little bit is the idea of daily Bible study. I can remember a time when there was a strong emphasis on daily Bible reading. In fact, you would have many times on the board where we have the attendance, how many daily Bible readers you had. I don't know, somewhere along the line that dropped off our boards, perhaps because we became embarrassed by the number of us who were not reading by the fact that many times what we have become, and let's face it, folks, we become lazy in so many different areas of life. We want someone else to tell us what we believe, what we think religiously. In Acts 17 and verse 11, Luke records, these were more noble, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. I want you to know how readily they received the word. 
I thought it was interesting, you know, sometimes on Facebook you see some things that you wish you hadn't seen, but sometimes you see some things which really make you think. And some of our brethren who are doing mission work in Southeast Asia in some of the communist countries showed a picture of their opening up these bags and in the bags they had people coming to get the Bibles. And it was almost like a group of hungry people for whom they had been bringing rice. They were just scrambling around. I want to get a copy of my word of the Bible. Do you realize how many times most of us have multiple copies of the Bible and we never open them? We never read them. We never study them. The text says they searched the scriptures daily. The word search there is not your normal, I'm, I'm just looking for something. No, it's the word that is a forensic term. It means an intense investigation. I'm trying to find the answer. How many of us have lost something in our home? Maybe you've lost your keys. Maybe you've lost your cell phone. Maybe you've lost a piece of jewelry. You start going all the places where you have been and, and start looking under the seat of the car. You start looking uh, and see if they've fallen off behind the cabinet. You look intently. That's that word. They searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. They wanted to verify the message preached. They verified the Apostle Paul. Is he using the Scriptures correctly? The passages to which he makes reference, is that what they actually say? And when I get there to those passages, what does it say that I need to be including in my own life? In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 5, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Proverbs 9 and verse 9, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. You take good people, you fill their minds with God's Word, and it makes them better people. It makes them appreciate good things. As David would say in Psalm 119, Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. I understand the difference between right and wrong. But you see, part of our problem is we've not cultivated this burning desire that says, I want to know. Some people read the newspaper because I want to know what's happening today. I want to know how our world is changing and what kind of things are occurring. In 1 Peter 2, verse 2, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Desire it. Have that intense craving. Just like that bottle that you got that baby who's a little bit fretting, and then you put that bottle in his mouth and all of a sudden he just starts taking that formula just immediately. Psalm, one, or Psalm 19, verses 10 and 11, 
More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Oh, we need to be people who daily take our Bibles and we read them. We, we begin to grasp the meaning of the word. The more you read something, the more you begin to see what's within it. Number three is daily evangelism. And I know some people will begin to say, oh, no, 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 let's not talk about that. Acts 5 and verse 42, And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Now, if I look at Jesus, who is our perfect example, I find in Luke 19, verse 47, and he was teaching daily in the temple, but in the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him. You know what's going to happen if you mention your faith in God to people? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Just like it was with Jesus, there are going to be people who are going to react negatively in the sense that they may not like you, or there are going to be some people who are going to react negatively in the sense they're going to think you're crazy. What's wrong with these people? Well, let me ask you, if you were to bring in our modern era today Jesus Christ, I'm sure he would be dressed in the clothing of the people of today. Don't think of him wearing a robe and some sort of a headdress. Think of him dressed and maybe groomed as we would be today. But what would you see in him as a person? What would he be teaching? What would he be emphasizing? Or bring the Apostle Paul. In Acts 17, verse 17, Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily those who happened to be there. Which I think that last phrase can be somewhat helpful. With those who happened to be there. Evangelism is not just some sort of organized plan program. People have this idea that in order for me to be evangelistic, we have to have a program that carries a certain track with you or a certain set of literature with you that says, okay, now that's the only way you can evangelize. No, that's not what the text is saying. The truth is evangelism is simply sharing the news of Jesus Christ, the Lord, and His kingdom. And when you invite people to come and hear God's message preached. When you invite people to come and sit in our Bible classes as we study the Word of God, then you are evangelizing them. Hopefully, you plant a seed and the seed germinates and the seed grows and interest grows. Number four, daily encouragement. Let me tell you what the Bible tells us about sin. It's ever present for each and every one of us. 
and it is a real struggle, and there are some things that are more difficult for us than others. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, he says, Therefore, let us, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. That means that there's a sin that is easier for me to commit than the others. It's something that is there. If you go back to chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 13, exhort one another daily. If I look at you and I observe that you're having trouble, I need to encourage you. By the same token, if you look at me and you see something that is lacking, I need encouragement. Don't let sin possess you. Christians are also concerned with the struggles of others. Does it concern you when other congregations, groups of God's people are going in the wrong direction? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 28, beside the other things, What comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Every day was in Paul's minds. Well, now, if I do have concern for my brethren in other churches, what will I do for them? Well, obviously, I want to provide an encouraging word, but I want to also provide a prayer on their behalf. When I go to the Bible, I see Christians needing that daily encouragement. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. We need to be the kind of people to stir one another up. Or as 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11, Paul writes, Therefore comfort one another and edify one another just as you're also doing. I'm not suggesting that people here are not an encouragement. But I think we all need to be reminded, as I look and see my neighbor, my friend, my brother, my sister in Christ, and I see the struggles from which they're suffering, And they need that word of encouragement. They don't need that word of encouragement just on Sunday only. They need it every day. Let's talk about the last one now for just a few moments. Daily cross-bearing. When you think about the cross, you think about it as a symbol of suffering on which our Savior was placed. In fact, just a few moments ago, as the Lord's Supper was passed, it's going through my mind 
how the Lord was compelled to carry that cross all the way to the place where he would be crucified. And having borne that cross, in fact, he needed help from Simon to get it there, being nailed upon it and the suffering which he endured. To bear the cross would mean that you and I endure our own suffering and also suffer with him. Listen to Luke 9 and verse 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, I don't know if you ponder upon passages very often, but this is one that ought to make you pause and think about it a little while. Of course, when Luke writes this, the death, the burial, and the crucifixion of Jesus has already taken place. But when Jesus spoke this, when Jesus said this, was before he had been crucified. They knew what a cross was. They knew the obligations that the Romans placed upon a person who was going to be placed upon a cross. You were convicted. And then that upright beam upon which you were going to be placed was laid upon your shoulder. And you had to drag it to the place where they were going to crucify you. And Jesus is saying here, if you want to follow after me, I'm going in a direction. In fact, I'm going to the cross. But you're going to have to pick up your cross and follow me. You're going to have to have your own instrument of death. Paul would frequently refer to things like this. In 1 Corinthians 15, 30 and 31, And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? I affirm by boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. You see, Paul would carry the cross every day. I die daily. Matthew 5 and verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 1 Peter 3, 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be of their, afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. You see, what's happening is, is that through Scripture, we recognize that those of us who are going to be children of God, faithful children of God, there's going to be some tough times. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and all who shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But you see, the truth is, the cross leads to the crown. The cross leads to the crown. In Romans 8 and verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
As Paul would say, there will be given to me a crown of righteousness by the Lord, and it will not be given to me only, but to all those who have loved his appearing. There is a focus upon daily bearing of one's cross. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's easy for people to think of Christianity as being a Sunday-only religion. There are people who think, well, we come together every Sunday, and when we come and we gather here, that's when we're Christians. And let me tell you, there's a lie that's being told to you by the media, by society that says, you keep your faith inside the walls of your buildings, and don't you bring it out into the community. Don't bring it with you to school. Don't bring it with you to work. Definitely don't bring it into the political realm. Don't bring it into the decisions that are made with regards to moral issues. If you want people, you want to be Christians, you just keep it in your little box. That's not what God teaches, and that's not what the Bible teaches. It should affect everything that we do. James puts it this way in James 1, 26 and 27. If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You see, it affects us. It must affect us. So where do you end? If your religion is defective, why not fix it? If you have a religion that does not require anything out of you, you've got the wrong religion. If you've got a religion that says, I can just show up for services on Sunday morning and throw a dollar or two in the plate, and that somehow makes me right, you've got the wrong religion. The religion of the Bible says, God expects from you to be a changed person. One who had that old man buried in baptism, and he was raised to walk in newness of life. Which leads me to the idea it's possible that you're here and you have never yet become a Christian. The Bible is so clear about what God wants from you. He wants you to believe that Jesus Christ is His Son. John 8 verse 24. And He wants you to turn from your old life which is called repentance. Acts 17 verses 30 and 31. He wants you to confess before men, to stand up and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts 8, verse 37, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. And then to be baptized, to be immersed in water for the remission of your sins, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And then to make a different life. We're going to sing this invitation song. And if you need to respond, will you come as together we stand and sing?